I'm Aria Schwartz, along with Ben Dole, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. The WNBA world has been kind of quiet since the Wings head coaching announcement. Some social media rumblings about where players might go, but we're here to tell you what every team should do. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community, patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month. You can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com. That's windsider.com. While you're there, check out the overseas tracker. It's live now. You can see where your favorite WNBA players are playing overseas all in one place. Bendel, how you doing? How's it going? It's almost New Year's. Everyone's getting ready. Uh, the the fun of the WNBA offseason is coming soon and fast, and we're here to talk about it. But how you doing? What's going on in your world? I'm doing okay. I'm uh, hopefully gonna be. I'm glad to have some college basketball games coming back on this week. We had a few days off, and it wasn't uh, wasn't too great. It wasn't like the NBA Christmas Day games made up for it. So, <laughs> well, the 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 funny part too is well, not funny. The sad part too is uh, I happen to be in Durham right now, right outside of Duke's campus, and. Big news in the college world was uh, the Dukes women's team announcing that they won't be playing basketball the rest of the season. They're opting out of the season. You know, you got to support them in whatever they're doing and they feel is best for the safety of their players, their team, uh, and everyone else involved. So I tip my cap to them because that clearly was not an easy decision. We're not going to get into that now, um, but I think this episode is going to be a good one. You know, we're going to give our takes on what we feel the team should do in free agency. We put on our GM cap, as it were, and tell you. If we were the GM, who we would target, what we think this team needs as far as holes and or how to grow to the next level. Today's the Western Conference. Next time you'll hear our voices uh, will hopefully be the Eastern Conference, unless maybe we have a surprise guest coming. Uh, But let's start it off with the Aces. Ben, we could do this talking about who they should target in realistic targeting. Let's kind of, you know, free form it a little bit. Um, Give me your thoughts on, on kind of what this team needs. With them, I can't say to make it to that next level because they were in the WNBA Finals this past season. But when you talk about Las Vegas Aces and free agency, who to target, who's realistic to join this team and what this team needs, what are the first few things that come to your mind? Well, everyone wants to say shooting with the Aces, right? But if they bring back their team, and let us I'm sure we can, we, we probably agree on this, on this, I'm guessing, it's pretty matter of fact, like you're just kind of like finding, all right, can we find one, maybe one player that's like going to play a lot for us off the bench. And then you're really just kind of rounding out the roster. Right. I mean, do we, do we disagree there? First of all, no, I completely agree with that. And and it's funny when I was doing my show notes for this episode, I came up with a, a random fun fact about the aces. Cause everyone, I like to talk about it too. You know, we hate on them for the three point shooting or whatever. Everyone loves to talk about it. I know it's, it's a fun thing to say, but, in losses, this team took 12 three-pointers per game and made three of them. In wins, they took 11 three-pointers and made four of them. So I think some people at certain times were kind of looking at this team and looking as that as the scapegoat for all-out greatness. But when you look at, I like to compare at least, you know, statistics to when you were winning to statistics when you were losing. Obviously, it's not a foolproof system. But I think it's an interesting one, especially in this regard, just because 
you know, a lot of people might have thought, oh, there was some sort of difference or, you know, in the games that they lost, maybe they were, you know, shooting a horribly different percentage or things like that. When in reality, you know, what they did, they did well, they controlled the paint. Um, you know, they, they were making a lot of points in the paint. They were, they were top, they were leading the league in points, rebounds and points in the paint. So for me, I don't think it's a, it's kind of like what you said. It's not about, you know, making a big swing in free agency. Maybe they feel they're going to make a big push for someone like Chelsea Gray uh, if they have some questions at the guard position. But for me, yeah, I agree with you. It's you're looking at somebody who's going to come off the bench and fill a need on that bench mob, which by the way, one of the historically best benches we've seen just from like certain statistical categories was the Las Vegas Aces last year. So it's not like they really have a lot of, you know, the, the ship isn't sinking. They got to plug up, you know, 50 different holes. So they fall down. They're, they're going to get their starting point guard back in Kelsey Plum, who not only is going to be the, be one of their better three point shooters, but who also is going to create a lot of those shots. You know, if Plum, Plum is back and healthy and playing 30 something minutes, which she would be in games that matter They're You know, they're going to be able to get up 23s. No problem. Like Plum's going to have that big of an impact. So, you know, talking about the big stuff first, Caleb McBride and Liz Cambage are free agents. And looking at those position groups, I don't know that there's a ton to say at this stage either, because if McBride, you know, one, just, just my hunch, like I'm guessing you would just quarter Liz Cambage in this situation. And if for whatever reason they have to do something else, well, there's names out there in free agency this year, right? Be it Candace Parker, Neko Gumake, Natasha Howard, Cheyenne Parker, even. I don't know how likely any of those are, but like at least at least there's players, right? If if it came to that. And really the same thing with McBride, right? Be it Alicia Gray, Ariel Powers, Benajah Laney. If again, if it came to that, there there's names for them to pursue. Yeah. And and it's and even like look if if we're talking about they re-sign Kayla they re-sign Liz there's other names there that can fill out the bench positions that we're talking about you know whether it's somebody that they saw this past year we definitely saw a re-emergence of D Rob uh, Danielle Robinson who played her role to perfection obviously I think with Kelsey Plum coming back you're gonna see some of those minutes taken away a lot of those minutes taken away can she still produce on that end. Um, and, and also I always think, you know, when we're talking about bill, because realistically you have to bring into, uh, this discussion, who the head coach is, who are the type of people that they like to bring in the GM also, obviously, um, I look for established vets. I mean, he's not and through the draft. He'll bring in rookies and young players, but for the most part, he's the type of guy who wants to bring in, you know, established veterans who he knows he can rely on. Uh, through the ins and outs of a long WNBA season that are often, sadly, injury-ridden for, for many teams and many players. And, and so so now to, to what, the, what they actually need, you've got, you mentioned how effective their bench was when Jackie Young and Dierka Hamley basically just played starters minutes uh, this past season. They need a backup point guard, and that might just be re-signing Danielle Robinson. And... I think they can get a little creative if they end up only keeping 11 players because I don't see why you wouldn't just say, well, Jackie Young can kind of be our third point guard if we really needed it. Because I think really the big angle for them to take 
because with the backup big spots too, you know, maybe G Supar comes comes back over after not playing this year. Emma Cannon, I think, like is really like I mean, definitely should be getting a look for a roster spot, and they can have the inside track there, especially with how Cannon has started to shoot the three lately. So, you know, my big idea for the Aces is like for them to try to really get greedy, and they're kind of in a position where some of these other contenders are going to really be squeezing every penny they can, I think, just to keep their rosters together. This is really a one-year window for the Aces to try to slide in with a huge, maybe not huge, a big one-year offer. And maybe they can get somebody who can give them a little bit of shooting or just one of these really, really good all-around wing players. And it might be a little too pie in the sky, but can they like make a pitch to somebody like Laney or Powers or maybe Sammy Whitcomb? That'd have to be for multiple years uh, for an offer sheet for a restricted free agent for somebody like Whitcomb or even Alicia Gray, if you wanted to get to that. But that's that's my uh, that's my one thing I'm circling for them to other than just, you know, like we talked about, just filling out the roster. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, it would be interesting. I fully, fully expect the Aces to make some big offer sheets, you know, like realistically, why I don't see a reason not to do that. You don't go into it with a talented roster, you kind of, I mean, shoot me for making a horrible gambling reference, but you got to put all the chips on the table, right? You got to push it to the center and say, Hey, we're doing this. Let's go in because we've already seen, uh, you know, Asia Wilson has grown to that level to bring a team to a championship game. You have the depth. Jackie Young is growing. Hopefully Kelsey Plum coming off an injury. We can see continue to step forward and doesn't have a faltery move back because what we saw and what really excited a lot of fans and a lot of people in the know was how good uh, Kelsey Plum was in the playoffs. So having the ability for her to come back is is going to be big. And I think we can't talk about that enough. Now, obviously, I think there's going to be elements of growing pains of getting Liz back because, look, it's going to take time for Liz and Asia to meld together. We, we've seen this before. You can't just put the greatest player, well, the greatest players in the world together. Maybe that's a different story, but you can't just put a bunch of all-stars together and expect to magically win a championship. I could preach this for hours. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to be all about creating a chemistry between these players. And, you know, yes, they played two years ago together. Now they have one year off again. Can they kind of pick up in that growth that they were before? I think that's going to be more important than any signings that we could see. I mean, Maybe they want to go for someone like Erica Wheeler. I could see that. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Shanice Johnson, the more and more I think about it, I don't know why, but the more and more I think about it, I feel like Shanice Johnson is a good fit uh, for a Bill Lambeer coach team. You know, she's an established vet. She's been around the league. She's been to a few different teams. She knows that mentality uh, that the great coaches have. And, you know, yes, coming off some injuries, you know, maybe didn't have the greatest season in Minnesota, but she could be somebody because, you know, look, realistically, we didn't see um, some of these role players play to their full potential. Like when I'm talking about Epiphany, sorry, not Epiphany Prince, uh, Sugar Rogers, you know, last season, I lost track of how many times everybody, me included, probably you included, were like, okay, this isn't the shooting we expect from her. We expect better from her. And then it just kind of, it never fell. Well, so uh, a bunch of stuff you mentioned there, like Johnson. Johnson, I think I could totally see as one of the players this offseason that like if she gets signed somewhere, there'll be the two sides of the coin of one of, oh, we'll just, you know, is she just going to be banged up? Is she just kind of over the hill? 
in that regard. But then if it pans out, it's going to, it'll be, and she just stays healthy. She can absolutely still play. That'll just be the, Oh, you know, what a great deal. You know, everyone missed out. And and for Minnesota, the incumbent team, you know, I think they have players that need to play over her anyways. And they might need, they, they, you would expect are going to have their own aspirations to, to, to really upgrade on that, on that wing spot. But I would just keep coming back to my idea of just, can they, can they really swing a, uh, especially a one-year contract offer to a couple of these bigger names? Because the thing I would come back to too, is that thinking beyond just 2021, Angel McCautry signed a two-year contract initially. So with one year left on that deal, looking to 2022, Angel would be 35 and already, you know, kind of on, you know, minutes on, you know, keeping an eye on her minutes already is, you know, are they going to, is she going to get another big deal? Like a max kind of contract that doesn't seem very likely. So if they can swing it, I like, I keep, I keep bringing this idea up, but like, I think it's, I think it can loom pretty large because if you can pitch an aerial powers up in Laney, Hey, come here for a year. You're going to play a lot. We're going to contend and possibly with the idea that, Hey, then we can bring you back and you might be the starter. I think uh, a lot of teams, I I don't think a lot of teams are going to get opportunity, a, a window like this to make that kind of offer to somebody. Well, and, and, and another interesting aspect, you know, normally when we talk about pitching signing with the team, we're like, you'll be a starter this year. Las Vegas aces have done a phenomenal job of saying, you know, it doesn't really matter who's starting. You could be coming off the bench. You could be starting. That will not impact to the extent that we typically associate with how many minutes you're going to get, right? We've seen that with Jackie Young. We've seen that with D-Rob. We've seen that with uh, Dierica Hamby, probably most famously. Um, so for a player to go there and get that opportunity, you know, and just like you said it, you know, play a lot of minutes. It's not we're going to offer you a starting position off the bat, but you might be playing starting minutes which is a huge bonus for a player because at the end of the day, I feel like it's probably more about the minutes. Obviously, every player is different, but it's more about the minutes than it is per se that starting title. Um, and, you know, as as great coaches often say, it's not about who starts, it's about who ends the game. A player who intrigues me into this role, um, maybe I'm uh, falling foot to my own issues of loving a good three-point shot and a player who has the athletic ability of creating some points and really uh, heat up quickly. Obviously, Raquana Williams, the microwave, as they call her, as uh, as John W. Davis coined, or I guess not coined, but reemerged. Um, she's a player who I think will gain a lot of interest this offseason. We've seen her ability to play on teams that you know are well-established. We know she's been around the block. We know she can heat up and score a lot of points in bulk. She's a player who, if I'm a team kind of thinking, okay, I just need to add, you know, one piece for the bench or something, someone who can, you know, succeed at a bench role. She's a player that has to be at least on your radar, don't you think? Well, here's the here's the problem. So like the like what you said about like somebody like Hamby, that actually ties in perfectly with like Williams and you brought up the the season Sugar Rogers had. It depend like it all depends what kind of player you are. Like Hamby is a total an- anomaly, right? Because how many teams in the league would she start for? Probably, probably half of them right now, right? So, yeah, yeah. like somebody like Rogers or Williams, wouldn't they're pretty? Like if you're pretty, if you're purely like a one position player, if you're, you know, there are players that are just centers, right? You're just a point guard. In this case, you're a two guard. 
if you're behind somebody of Caleb McBride's caliber, you're playing like 10 minutes a game. And it's just, it's like really, it's really hard to be productive in that role. <laughs> like, like yeah. we've seen it, we've seen it with sugar in that role. You're going to come in, you're going to get, you might get two shots, you might get five shots. And it's just like, you're going to play like two stints in a game. It's like really hard to like have a rhythm and like know where, when your shots are coming. And like, like that's just really, and that's really hard because in the case of Jackie Young, when she's just kind of that super sub on the perimeter, not really bound to one position, you know, she just knows she's going to play a certain amount. She's going to have the ball in her hands. She's going to have all these chances to score. Like, I think, I think there's really a severe lacking of like an appreciation for how hard it is to be in that kind of role. And then for it, for someone to be able to just look, glance at your numbers quickly, be like, Oh yeah, they had a good season. It like, it's just, it's just a really hard role to be in. Well, I mean, the, the player that always comes to mind when you talk about that is Sammy Wickham. And and maybe I'm naive for that, but I feel like she is that perfect example of a player who, you know, not every game is going to blow you off the stat sheet, but she makes use of every minute she gets in there because of her offensive ability. And she's no slump on the on the defensive end either. So for me, you know, we're talking about making a big pitch to some players you know, who's, what are, what players in this free agency list do you look at and go, okay, they have the ability to get going in a short amount of minutes. Sammy Wickham is kind of like the perfect example, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, but just for the aces, it's just, again, like a restricted free agent, you're going to have to make a multi-year offer sheet. Uh, you have to offer more than one year for that player to sign it. And I, I think they would need to be pretty cautious I don't know if that would be a very good fit for them to make an offer big enough that Seattle wouldn't match it or even, you know, they could maybe sign and trade end up signing and trading or somewhere else. It just, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a tight walk with a restricted free agent and the, the, the concept of Wickham works great, but if she, you know, if she were, if she were unrestricted, I, I think it might be a little bit more interesting for them. Yeah. I hear you. Any last thoughts on the aces before we move on to the defending champs? No, I think I think we exhausted that one. What was that? 20 minutes, 20 minutes something. <laughs> 20 minutes already. Jeez. I just love talking basketball with you, man. Uh well, moving on to the Seattle Storm. For me, it's all about role players, three-point shooting. Um, you know, we've kind of touched on this and it was the perfect segue. You look at who are the players that are free agents coming into this year for the Seattle Storm. The ones that stick out, obviously Alicia Clark, Natasha Howard. We can forget about Sue Bird and Sammy Whitcomb. Now realistically, it's going to be tough to keep everybody on this roster. It's just, it's going to be hard. And I would say it's, I would say it's going to be tough to keep Boykum. Yes. Well, that that's what I'm getting to, which is you can't keep all of them. And I think if you kind of stack them on importance, you know, it comes down to Howard and Bird and Clark are high up there and Sammy Wickham, this isn't a knock to her, but she's a little bit more, she's a lot more expendable than those three players. I mean, when I'm, when I think about the Seattle Storm going into this free agency period, into this off season, it's, they are in their championship window, right? And a lot of it, maybe some people will call me crazy. I'm curious your thoughts. A lot of it hinges on not just Howard, not just Clark, but on Sue Bird. And I mean Sue Bird because, you know, in all of these other positions, there's a grave drop-off between, you know, Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard to whoever comes in after them. But with Sue Bird, I feel like their window closes tremendously 
when Sue Bird steps away from the game. And that's not a knock to Jordan Canada or any of the other players on this team. I just think realistically, you kind of need to act as if, you know, your current window hinges on Sue Bird. And obviously, maybe, you know, your core uh, Natasha Howard, you throw, you you make sure to get Alicia Clark back. And then most likely Sammy Wickham is going to be a player who gets some attention and they're not able to sign back. Um, but I'm curious for you, like when I say that they're, championship window um, is kind of held open by Sue Bird. What do you think about that? Am I crazy? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure yet. I mean, we don't know. We don't know like how much, you know, how much Jordan Canada is going to continue to improve, namely with the jumper. You know, I'm not going to, you can't really slam that door shut and know exactly what that's going to look like. You know, Canada did have a nice, stretch what was that in game two with her with her scoring with one of their bench groups to to help them out a little bit so you know i i don't know if I, i'm quite ready to go there yet you know because we also saw just saw jewel lloyd really do something in the playoffs that was pretty special and you know maybe an indicator that that she's taking another big step forward so if if jewel lloyd's also continuing to grow into somebody that you're going to put the ball in her hands even more in some of these big moments that can kind of change can kind of change your calculations too. So, I mean, what, what you're looking at for Seattle, like, so it sounds like you're getting to a little bit of a point guard conversation here with their depth, but it, you know, you mentioned it off the top, like they have to pay whatever they have to, to keep their starters starters here. And, you know, Kevin Pelton brought up that, you know, one executive threw out the number of 150,000 a year for Whitcomb, which there's just no chance that they're going to be able to, keep their starters and then pay that if that's what it takes, unless multiple players there are taking just huge discounts. So, well, also, I mean, you have to incorporate into that crystal Langhorn, right? You know, how much left does she have in the tank? How much, I mean, essentially she's been a placeholder, right? For what, a year and a half, two years now. So, I mean, there, there will be some movement, but you also have, you know, they're, they're, uh, I'm blanking on her name right now, but their draft pick from last season, who I know you're high up on as, and I'll let you talk about that, but we've seen positive growth from Ezzy, from Mercedes Russell. And, you know, it, the question for me more so is how they shuffle it around. There's a, you know, do we see um, um, Prince come back or is that somebody that they let walk and they're, you know, um, I, again, I still don't think they can bring Wickham back. They're not going to be able to realistically, but I'm curious kind of what your thoughts are for this makeup of this roster. Yeah. So we just talked about Vegas where they, relatively speaking, are, are still pretty comfortable this offseason. I think, you know, they can kind of make carve out room to like add to that to really add to their roster. Whereas, you know, Seattle, they had they were able to keep 12 players this last season. They're probably gonna have to keep 11. And they're gonna be, if not, you know, asking people to play for the minimum, not very much more than that, to fill out their roster. I mean, I, I think I think Tuck and Langhorn's days are probably done. In Seattle, I think they're just going to have to waive both of them. I mean, they have Ezzy Magbagor and Mercedes Russell are, you know, are above both of them in the rotation anyways, and already under contract. So I just, I just don't think they can really afford either player. There was that discrepancy where is Tux 2021 protected or not? You know, her hoop stats has it as not protected, which would make sense if they structured it that way. So that they can just cut ties with with Tuck, and 
so you're you're four deep up front if you bring back Natasha Howard. So really you're you're maybe adding one more player there, but you've got your rotation. Kitty Alaksa, I think, is just is pretty purely just can be a Sammy Whitcomb replacement, especially offensively. I think she needs to get better defensively. She's gonna be a rookie coming in if she even does come over. So that's kind of kind of the first question I think they might need to answer. And I think that was talking about international players too, which also can come up with the draft, right? Is like maybe part of what they did with last season's roster with like keeping Langhorn and even signing Tuck was, I don't know how, if they kind of had to sweat it out. Like if Ezzy Magbugor was going to come over, right? When did they know how were like flight possible flight restrictions and like things like that coming into play? Like, so if, if you're kind of doing that with Loxa too, that you know that might get pretty tough you know prince had a nice moment in the finals there against vegas a nice little scoring spurt i don't know how much they can depend on her you know how is she going to hold up physically can they rely on her in a bigger role for a whole season i think those are the kind of questions they need to ask themselves and so i don't know if you wanted to get into some names here or even circle back to what you were what i think you were trying to get at with the point guard stuff yeah, no, I, I I do want to get to that. I mean, I, when I'm looking at it, you know, who they should target, who's a realistic person. I'll start with probably on the more unrealistic side, but I could see as like a great match. Sydney Colson, I feel like she would be a great backup, a great fit for this team. Likely they would ha- be forced to, to give her a minimum, right? Um, maybe they can find a way to throw a little bit more at her. She's probably asking for more and getting more from other teams. So I don't think she's so realistic, but to talk about Sugar Rogers, she's a player who could be good for that. Um, and and is it horrible to bring back Prince? No, but I, I don't think it's your first choice if you're the GM of the Seattle Storm. Um, there's there's multiple other players on the list who I could see them and go, okay, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense for me. Kind of who's on, who's on your list? I'm curious to pick your brain about this. Well, you know, more of a, someone that's maybe a little bigger, on the wing would be nice. And to go back to even last year's draft, you know, they took Joyner Holmes last year in the second round. And you know who went a few spots after Joyner? I don't know who take, you're talking about. Take, <laughs> I was oh. hoping, you'd, hoping you'd actually guess there. Kyla Charles. <laughs> like what if they had drafted Kyla Charles as like yeah. your, you know, Alicia Clark understudy? I think that would, you know, that's something that would really change the outlook of your team. Like when we're talking about second round picks, even late first round picks, like to really hit on those is going to become more important with this new CBA for these good teams. Like that, you know, if just some of those flashes, same flashes we saw from Charles in Connecticut, if we saw that in Seattle, right, what would be the, uh, the hype would be out of control, right? That the next, next Alicia Clark is already here. So, you know, that, that kind of player would be nice. I don't think you're going to find that just walking around in free agency you know, first for the the names I had on the at the wing position, Kayla Davis, maybe as a flyer. You know, just I think being in this would be the best offensive environment and just collection of talent she's been around in her career. And they play fast, and she can just kind of fall in line as the fourth and fifth option, and just you know make your open shots, play in transition, and attack closeouts. I think that would be a great place to. I think that would just be an awesome fit. I was saying it last year. It, you know, maybe they bring back, try to bring, bring back Blake Dietrich, just someone you know can make shots. Essence Carson, 
I, I don't know if, if if teams are going to feel Carson has one more kind of one more go as I was a role. Carson player. also, I like that. Yeah, Kareem of Christmas Kelly. I don't know what the timetable is going to be coming back from the Achilles, but if she's healthy, you know, if if you can just in a smaller role. Um, I think that's at least a possibility you might want to look into. And then and then the final wing player for me, I don't know how complicated this will be with the whole suspended contract expired so that you, you can only negotiate with your current team. And then what does this individual player want for next season is Steph Talbot with New York. You know, they only had to pay a third round pick to get her from Minnesota, but if you can somehow work out trading those rights just to acquire her and plug her into that kind of role, I think that could be somebody else that would kind of help them. Cause obviously, as we know, New York already has plenty of plenty of players they need to get a look at on the wing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, Seattle's one of those teams where it's like they need a very specific position, but it's not the like a specific skill set, but it's not the most important Um on the board when you're talking about the 12 other teams, obviously look, they've won two championships in three years. Um, a, a feat that is not easily done. Uh, any final thoughts on the Seattle storm, even though we only did half our time, uh, that we got from on the aces, but any final thoughts on them before we move on? Yeah, I think I got 10 more minutes in me. Uh, no, there we go. <laughs> the, so they have their first round pick is number 11. They're right before Las Vegas. So, you closed on it there, just kind of what they need. They need perimeter depth, right? Behind Jewel Lloyd and Alicia Clark, who hopefully they can resign if you're them. And assuming it'll just be too hard to keep Wickham, that's you know, that's that's what they need. They need they need something they can somebody they can rely on behind those players. So having that first round pick too, you know, depends how they feel about the draft, of course. Maybe they even find a way to spin it in a trade. For somebody they like a little more, or they they trust a little bit more, but uh, that's that's kind of going to be the the task at hand uh, for them. Well, yeah, and I would even add to that, like the teams who are a lot of teams who are in tough monetary uh, binds might be looking more so to the draft. I know a lot of people, and and I know you have your own feelings on this, but a lot of people are dubbing this a not deep draft, you know, not a great draft, blah blah blah. For me, it's interesting because. When you think about the salary aspect of it, the compensation aspect of it, this is a team I feel like that if they're sold on somebody in the draft that they feel like they can get, you really want to push that because you get them on that rookie scale contract. And that's just a huge advantage considering where this the future of this team is going to be, you know, with their star players possibly uh, likely coming into the end of their contracts in the next few years and trying to keep together this core, you know, assuming they want to keep Brandon Stewart, right? Natasha Howard, Alicia Clark, as long as they can, and Jewel Lloyd, as long as they can. Um, you really got to start thinking about, okay, how can we do this with this new CBA and do it in a way that we don't bottom ourselves out monetarily and kind of screw ourselves over, for lack of a better term. That's, that's all I got in the storm. Well, the Sparks, I dub this the run it back. I mean, I think if you're sitting in the Sparks corner, it's pretty easy to convince yourself that all they need to truly do is get the team that they expected to play last season and they're in the conversation for a championship. We've talked about this on many podcasts. They're built for a championship. It's And it's hard to tell me that you can get better free agents. I talked with John W. Davis when we did a little talk about the 2021 uh, 
you know, outlook for the LA Sparks. I think it's interesting. The, the real part is going to be keeping everyone. Now, assuming that, and from every quote I've heard, and, you know, the, the WNBA world was in a tizzy the other day when news broke about Candace Parker buying a new home in the Los Angeles area. So obviously she would never leave LA because she has bought a new home and her kid goes to school there. And this is like, for me, in my opinion, there wasn't a chance of her leaving. Maybe some teams are going to put in some respect calls um, just to get, get word out there. Hey, we're interested in you. See if there's a possibility. She strikes me as a player who wants to stay with LA for the rest of her career. So for me, it really comes down to the priority is running it back, signing over NECA, signing back uh, Chelsea Gray and Candace Parker and finding a way to do that. Now, I think NECA and Chelsea are going to be getting a lot of calls also because maybe people don't believe they're as that same strong suitedness to stay in LA that maybe we have uh, from the likes of Candace Parker. But, um, you know, for me, it's going to be interesting when it comes to Brittany Sykes and their ability to keep her. She's kind of the question mark in my mind. And, you know, that's kind of the domino that decides. Uh, it's like a choose your own adventure. If they can't bring back Brittany Sykes, where does it go from there, right? You know, who is going to be that person that they try and build through there? The, the Sparks just have so much important stuff to take care of that it's just going to be you'd imagine it's going to be a stressful start because they can't they can't get on to the other stuff when they don't know you know signing these a bunch of players to big contracts like what are you going to actually be able to have to work with to fill out the roster you know the one thing i would think they have going for them is you know one you can core either neko gumake or chelsea gray and on top of that you know i just you know, I don't think it takes a ton to, uh, I don't think this is exactly an original thought. I just, I don't think Christy Tolliver would have gone to LA had they not had those, had those, you know, that big four not kind of talks like, Hey, let's play together for a while. You know, I, I just don't think, um, so I'm, I haven't necessarily been viewing it as like they're in grave danger of losing anybody. So, you know, you core one of those two, like you, you pay what you have to. Like you want to win, like you need to, you need to keep your best players together. And Sykes kind of, be, kind of become, becomes player number four after that big three, which isn't a surprise. And you would think that, you know, that's the player you want closing games with that group with, with, you know, kind of how her strengths mesh in and you would hope she continues to get better. So the one thing that can kind of set that off is if, you know, if those, if they're just so far apart on kind of what Sykes expects, if she goes out and signs an offer sheet with somebody else, then that puts you on a clock where you've got to match that. So, you know, kind of just, I think Sykes kind of becomes the, the interesting figure there because, you know, she can kind of accelerate things or, you know, put some pressure on them. If she ends up getting an offer sheet, that's much higher than LA can slash would like to pay. And, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's very straightforward. Like they just, they have to take care of these big pieces first and just do what you can after that to just, to just have the best rosters, rosters. Yeah. And, and you know what, like, look, if they can't bring back sites, then who's who I, I'm, I'll ask you this. I have one player specifically, and then, you know, a couple other players who are possibilities, but I'm curious for you, they can't bring back Sykes. 
you know, they've been able to sign NECA, Chelsea, and Candice. Who are you looking at? Or do you think it's, okay, bring back Raquana? Do you think it's bring somebody new? Um, you know, maybe it's bring back Essence Carson, who has a history with the team. Uh, talk to me about it in, in the alternate universe or possibly the futuristic universe where they can't bring back Brittany Sykes. In your mind, what are the players uh, that fit this mold? Because for me, it's all about athleticism and you need to find someone with speed, athleticism, shooting and slashing to the hoop, which kind of is Brittany Sykes' calling card. They need someone that can defend at that spot. <laughs> That's what they... All yeah. the other stuff is great. And yeah, that player needs to knock down shots, but they need someone that can defend. That uh, yeah, I mean losing Sykes would I mean that would be that would be pretty devastating because I don't know that you're gonna have a ton of options like Alicia Gray not not is you know isn't necessarily a, this you know a one best in the league stopper but capable and a good all around player but why you know why would Dallas just not match you know L A is not gonna be able to blow Dallas away with an offer Dallas has nothing but space. And they don't have really an, an incentive to let her go. And if you start looking around, some of these wing players we already brought up, like Ariel Powers, ben I, I mean, Benajelani would be an awesome fit, but just do you have enough money? And, and is the role enough to interest Laney? You'd think it would be a compelling pitch, but it, it, the, the, there's a good chance. I think there's a good chance there might be a difference in what, in what the players of that caliber of being like clear starters versus what LA might actually have available if, if they re-sign the, the, the big three. I mean, Laney's the perfect fit. The person who popped into my head that I was talking about was Ariel Powers. Um, I just feel like she'd be a great fit, you know, whether or not Laney has, you know, whether or not Laney's offensive output this past season was a blip on the radar or what is come to expect for the rest of her career it only time will tell uh but aerial powers has got to be a commodity at the wing position i mean we know we know she's not going back to dallas so we can cross one team off um not that you know her skill set is needed at dallas specifically um but yeah it's, it, it's an interesting one who are some other players when you hear la sparks in defense looking through this free agency list that popped your head besides laney maybe more realistic players because like you said do you, uh, realistically, I don't think Laney's going to LA. Ariel Powers maybe still think it's a little bit of a stretch. Are there any other players that kind of pop into your head? I think I think it's going to be a lot of the a lot of the same names over and over again. You know, we mentioned you mentioned Shanice Johnson first. That's somebody absolutely that can defend at a really high level. Essence Carson, you mentioned. You know, one more go around in LA. Is that possible? I don't know. And, you know, Kayla Davis, again, like as a flyer, again, just I think in, you know, after playing in Dallas, a team that just wasn't winning, if you put her around some really good players and in a much better offensive role to actually <laughs> to actually make her life a little easier, where in Dallas she was really, you know, overtasked in, to do, in doing something totally new. So I think she got a little, raw, a little bit of a raw deal in that regard. Those are kind of the names. It's it's going to be the same names for everybody, I think. Christmas Kelly, another one, maybe. It's it's funny because you know we talk about the the go to players. There's and and I was even texting you about this. No one's really come out, and I'm challenging all WNBA writers who are are listening to this right now. Like, go out there. Let like let's see some more articles about free agency of like who are top wing defenders 
or top two way wing players and stuff like that, that teams should target. Cause when I look around and I'm preparing for this episode, and I always like to read other people's thoughts, whoever it is. Often I read Ben's thoughts. I often, uh, I can just read his mind. So I don't even need to read his articles, but no, it, it, all joking aside, like I think that's something that we haven't really seen in the WNBA world. Uh, and I would like to see. So that that's my little spiel on why we should see expanded coverage on free agency. Um, any final thoughts on the Sparks before we move on to their historic rival of the Minnesota Lynx? We're, we're kind of going in reverse order to the draft order here, just to just to a, a reminder that LA's got the number ten pick, so that can also again be something that's factored in there. You know, I think they have, I think they do have a little bit of flexibility if they end up using that, because Taya Cooper, who we did mention as a reserved player, obviously they're gonna they're gonna want to bring her back, but. I think Cooper gives them some flexibility because this is a pretty good draft for point guards just in terms of the the depth of of point guards available that I think can play in a rotation in the league. So maybe at number 10, you know, you can get somebody that can shoot and handle the ball and they can play next to Cooper and at least your backcourt depth, uh, you might be okay in that regard because especially with Chelsea Gray, who can kind of play a little bigger obviously than a traditional point guard with her size and, and you can move her off the ball a little bit too. I mean, she's one of those players that like, I wouldn't be surprised that there's lots of calls of like, Hey, let's try and work something out. Get Cooper over on our squad uh, this coming season, just because look at the end of the day, LA is going to have a pretty packed roster. It's going to be tough for her to make this roster just as it's built currently. So oh, Cooper, um, Cooper's making the roster. It's not, you think so? All right. Boom. Well, some, it just, I, it, it's not, I don't think it's much, but to some of these players, just they're making it, they might be making a little bit too much, you know, Tierra and Pratt. I just, I don't think they're going to have room. She's not coming back. And, you know, even Sydney Weiss, I wonder if it might get tough, even though she definitely can play and there could be a role for her off the bench. But, you know, the, these players, like when you're, when you're top heavy with a bunch in terms of your salary structure, all those contracts in the middle, like it just gets, it gets really tough to, to pay, to pay, kind of pay that amount to players. So somebody at the minimum, like a, which, you know, Cooper, you would have, you would be able to pencil in there. Like that, that's just, it makes a huge difference. You know, we didn't even mention re-signing Chinea Gumake after those first four dominoes. Right. So it just, it's uh yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm, I feel pretty comfortable saying uh, Cooper, <laughs> Cooper can probably feel pretty good about her future. Because even if it wasn't in LA, someone I mean someone would pick her up after the season. Oh yeah, no, someone's definitely gonna pick her up. Especially, you know, the the energy that she showed. My favorite aspect of her game was just she was one of those players that was going to make every moment count, every second, every minute that she got in the game, she was gonna make count. And you gotta love that uh, as a fan, as a analyst, as as anything. Um that's just that's just what you love to see. Let's move on to my hometown Minnesota Lynx. Um, you know, talking about what they need. They need someone to, like, feel free to cut me off, tell me I'm an idiot. But, like, you know, what we saw, specifically the emergence of Rookie of the Year Crystal Dangerfield this past season, is we need someone to compliment her if you're Minnesota. Um, and and I've been on the record plentiful of times saying Odyssey Sims is not that person who's going to compliment uh, the the point guard of this offense. Um I have my issues. We could spend 30 minutes going into this, as Ben and I have uh, many a times when it comes to her. But I, I mean, look, coming off coming off the bench for her, cool. But you talk about this starting five for Minnesota, Dantas, Fee, Sims, and Dangerfield. And, and sorry, and Sill, like, 
when I look at free agency, it's almost, okay, are they looking to add a starter or are you looking to add bench pieces? What is it? And for this team, you know, I think Sills a lock at their at their uh, at that starting lock position. Excuse me, getting tongue twisted. Uh, Dantas is definitely a lock. Fee's a lock, and I think Crystal Dangerfield has positioned herself to be a lock. Now, looking through this roster, uh, me personally, I was very excited to see uh, Chechi Zandalasini come in this season. Just from the growth we've seen over the years with her. Um, is she going to come this season? I don't know. That's a question mark. And I think that's a huge element of what this team does in free agency. Um, people, so we can talk about, where do you want to go with this? You want to talk about who to target? You want to talk about how I'm a crazy Odyssey Sims hater? Um, I think this team needs more consistent three-point shooting. Um, and, and someone just take the ball away from Crystal so that you don't have, like, and this isn't a knock, but do you want your you know, one year vet to be the person who has the ball in her hands constantly when crunch time goes, or do you want to kind of take a little bit of that burden off her shoulder and get the ball into Sill's hands more, get the ball into Fee or Dantas's hands more, and that other player, that person who's going to play the two, who can kind of add to that scoring, but also ball handling ability. I touched everything. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do, I do think you you are a little too hard on Sims at times. I mean, the the outside shooting is a limiting factor, and I, I don't think you need to go too much further than that. I think we've already seen that in the past. And look, it's just like if you're Minnesota, like you want another star. You know, I don't think you have to. I don't think we have to overcomplicate this. Like, you want another star player to help put you over the top to to be a championship contender. You know, the last couple of years, we've seen it plenty. And I've pointed it out, like, I, I think they haven't been very good at, at times getting the ball into fouls. But, you know, fouls is like taking like 10, 12 shots a game. Like you need someone like you can put the ball in their hands. They can be reliable and that they can also be a threat when they don't have it. And Chelsea Gray comes to mind, first of all, as one of the big names in this class and if Greg gets cored by LA, you know, maybe you don't even really get a chance to make a pitch, but I think that's the obvious name to bring up. And, you know, maybe that can be appealing. Just, Hey, Minnesota, we've won a bunch of titles and Hey, we've got Dangerfield, So you both can kind of share this together. And, you know, Crystal's a really good shooter so that, you know, you can take over in crunch time, but you won't be overtaxed and, and Hey, we've got uh, this other, you know, burgeoning superstar in Nafisa. So, you know, I just, I think Minnesota's an obvious Chelsea Gray candidate to at least make a pitch, but then you just kind of have the, the musical chairs with some of these other, the, the possible musical chairs with some of these other players that might fit into that spot for them of Caleb McBride, Benajah Laney, Alicia Gray, Ariel Powers. You know, how many, how many of those, Minnesota, I think they're going to have to answer that question internally of after Gray, who I think is obvious, you'd obviously make a run at her if you could, and it's a different kind of player. But then out of those players, you know, how would you rank them and how many of them would you target and what's kind of the the maximum amount you'd be willing to offer those players and how much do they, you even think they can help you win in these next in the next one to three years? Oh yeah, and and this is also assuming I think it's pretty clear Bridget Carlton's coming back. Um, obviously, Minnesota's going to want her back. 
A question from from hearing you talk about Chelsea Gray and the possibility of her going to Minnesota, something that really intrigued me, maybe this is kind of taking a, a rabbit hole away from what we're talking about, but I'm, I'm curious for you if, if you could take off your GM cap for a moment um, and put on your Chelsea Gray or, you know, trusted um, consigliere for, Ch- uh, for Chelsea Gray cap, put that on and tell me, position like if you're her and I'm and I want you to ignore your relationship with Candace Parker I'm talking about just basketball wise which do you feel is more beneficial for Chelsea Gray Minnesota's current setup or LA's current setup because hearing you talk about it it really opened my eyes to a thing of like okay we we've talked for the past few years I know I've been beating this like a drum um sitting in the in the press conference after uh, they lost to LA, or excuse me, LA lost to DC, and seeing NECA and Candace talk about the need for Chelsea Gray to take that next step and be that leader. You know, they almost have a situation of too many cooks. You have uh, Christy Tolliver, you have Candace Parker, NECA, who maybe probably wouldn't be in this discussion, and Chelsea Gray when you're talking about who gets the last shot. And I know you're probably going to use the excuse of, oh, it doesn't matter, whoever has the, the ball in the hands, but, you know, it's almost a lot more simplistic if she's on, like I almost see her fit on Minnesota being more simplistically obvious and beneficial for her style of play where there's, you know, little point guard by committee between her and uh, Crystal. And then when it comes to crunch time, yeah, you have Fee and I'm not trying to take away from her. Yeah, you have Cillian and I'm not trying to take away from her. But Chelsea Gray is known as that ice cold game closer um, for some of the big shots that she's hit. So talk me through your mindset of that and try not to cop out of answering it, my friend. Oh, come on. You know, I don't cop out of answering stuff. <laughs> um, like, Gray, I don't think, I don't, in LA, like, I think a lot of it would still rest on Gray. I don't think that's, like, Candace Parker's going to be another year older. <laughs> she had another awesome season. And it's not, and Christy Tolliver isn't, is, is, getting into her getting up there too so like a lot would still rest on gray's shoulders i mean if you're looking at the la situation and i'm trying to put myself into this role you cast me in like la needs to be better offensively and that falls at the feet of Derek fisher like i mean tolliver was on tv it was at halftime of that playoff game saying like you know our offense is stagnant like we got to run stuff we're just kind of staying around like that's a problem like that like they need to be better offensively and you know that's on the head coach to figure that out and maybe some of that is on the players too you know it's trying to to uh divvy that up is impossible without without being in the room when they're talking about this stuff but you know they need to be better offensively so if that's a concern and somebody like minnesota comes calling who i think uh in has objectively done a pretty good job even kind of post dynasty of, you know, putting their best players in, in positions to be successful offensively and, and to get good shots. I would think that aspect can be pretty appealing, but still, you know, it's like if you're Chelsea gray, like you're from California, right? Like you're from the area. It, they all, those players all seem to have a great relationship there in LA. If they bring it all back, they're certainly going to have a chance to compete for a title. So I, I don't know, trying I mean, trying to answer that question. Like, I think, I think gray will get chance would get chances to be that player for either one. Maybe, maybe in Minnesota, 
you know, depending on how much, how much Collier's ball handling improves in these next couple of years, maybe tilted a little bit more towards Minnesota where Gray might have a little bit more of that, like, oh yeah, it's definitely going to, you know, run through you pretty much every time. Where in LA, you might, it, it might go a little bit more through Tolliver and Parker in, in certain occasions. All right, so talk me through this. We got Chelsea Gray, Benajelani, K Mack, Bridget Carlton. Um, through those players, where do you? So you're saying Chelsea Gray's number one. Who do you go for after that? If you're Minnesota, your GM caps back on. I'm switching caps like the the Hat Man. Yeah. So the 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 hard thing about doing this now is like not knowing what like what these players are going to command, right? Because in terms of salary, in terms of years, just trying to isolate it to the players. I think when I did my link season interview with Katie Davidson, I think I put Laney first after kind of removing gray in a separate category. And it would, it's probably between Laney and powers for me. I think powers is just, is so explosive and can be, you know, give you 18, 20 or more against really good teams. And I think that's really valuable. And Laney obviously might feel like a little bit more of a gamble, but I think you can put the ball. I think, I think, I think what we saw with Atlanta putting the ball in her hands almost even got overlooked uh, even more than just, you know, the fact that she was making outside shots all of a sudden, I, w- I would probably narrow it down to those two players. Not that I think, some of those other other names wouldn't also be a good fit, but I think those two would be the would be the headliners, I guess. After Gray, part of me, you know, gut reaction is go for the one who has the better offensive, like the better offensive game. And the reason that I say that is we've seen from Cheryl Reeve that you know, and a lot of coaches talk about this defense being heart, commitment, uh, energy, and just effort. And so for me, it's almost like, okay, I kind of want to go with the one who has the better offensive tendencies just because Cheryl Reeve is known for being a great defensive coach, for always having a team that's going to rebound well and play defense well. Um, So you kind of figure, okay, I I can teach you to play defense. Offense, you can only teach so much. Um, And so for me, it's kind of like, all right, which one of these is better defensive or offensively, excuse me? And, and yeah, maybe it's a recency or it's not a recency bias. So I think it's the opposite leaning towards powers, but something about Laney's game uh, just kind of, for me, screams Minnesota. I know a lot of people have said that, so I'm not anything new. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that would be a great fit. Any final thoughts on Minnesota? Um, I feel like, well, two things. One, I think we forgot to mention uh, that the, the coring aspect where, you know, we're talking about all of this, but everything can be flipped upside down with, one or two cores, uh, core rings, I guess would be the proper uh, grammatical usage. Um, and that could really just screw over all of what we're talking about. But I think, you know, it's important for us to talk about it from an idea of we don't know who's going to get cored and who isn't. Um, any thoughts on Minnesota's ability to find something like that in the draft? So maybe, you know, we've heard Cheryl Reeve talk consistently about they tried to hit home runs last offseason. They're going to try and do it again this season. You know, if something happens where, they don't. Is this a situation where you feel Minnesota can take that next step through the draft? Uh, like, do I think they're finding, uh, I mean, they're at number nine. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to end up with the, a, uh, 
a multi-time all-star that's completely changing their fortunes. I think they can get someone that'll make the team and deserve to be there. I think my last thing is we talked a lot basically about the shooting, the starting shooting guard spot, but I, I, to clarify, like I'm not necessarily doing that just in like this short term of like, Hey, they have this spot and let's fill it because you know, they can really move some pieces around, right? They can, they can just start Nafisa Collier at the four if they want to. They can ask Demiris Dantas to come off the bench. I don't know if she would be thrilled with that, but they could probably still get her plenty of minutes because, you know, how many more years is Sylvia Fowles going to play? And so, like, they, they can kind of move some stuff around with with this team because also, you know, the like, you know, Jim Suhan always asks Reeve on their podcast, right? Like, every couple months, hey, I got an update on Maya Moore. <laughs> and so, <laughs> obviously, if, if Maya also came back, uh, that would uh that would uh you know give you uh your your big time your big time wing player and and it would slot in nicely so I'm sure that's uh that's uh, a door they'll want to leave open too as they as they try to plan for the offseason. It's gonna be interesting. Um obviously from a basketball perspective I hope Maya Moore comes back. And I recently finished the last dance. I know I'm like a year behind everyone else. Uh but it oh, definitely man, that was, was that was like feels like that was like ten years ago. Well, yeah, COVID years. I know. Okay, whatever. When when you have a wife and she wants to watch something with you and then you get like, oh, I can't watch it alone because then she's going to be upset. Finally, I got her to get back on it. Um, and it was funny, though, because like the whole time I'm watching, I'm just like, you know, I've already had this thought last year and I continue to have this thought. If Maya Moore comes back and, and does that Jordan-esque comeback uh, and win some championships, it will obviously, in many people's opinions, cement her as the GOAT. Heck, many people think she's the GOAT uh, before she's done that. But I just think it would be so amazing. And just, you know, from a very selfish perspective of wanting to see her play basketball again, um, just for the love of the game. But that's not here nor there. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but hey, we'll find out eventually. Talking about the Phoenix Mercury. You know, there's been some reports out there. I think we have to bring this up. There's been some reports out there of what the future means uh, with the Phoenix Mercury and Brittany Griner. We don't necessarily need to, you know, talk about rumor this, rumor that. It's like I very much feel that the Phoenix Mercury, it's a future with Brittany Griner and a future without. And they're very, you know, two different tales. Because, uh, you know, we, we talked about this before, Ben, and I, I would love for you uh, to explain to the masses. You know, we saw two different Phoenix Mercury teams this past season. We saw the team that had Brittany Griner on the court trying to find their consistency, trying to find the gelling between this new look Mercury um, with some additions this past offseason. Obviously, Bria Hartley, before she got injured, who was having a phenomenal season. But it's just interesting for me um, how if you just look at it from a before or like with Brittany and then without Brittany, the team obviously did better without her. Um, can you talk a little bit before we get into what they need, in my opinion, just side note, they need depth of role players and defense. Um, talk to me about why that is in, in terms of style and play, what Brittany's good at, what these other players are good at, and why that kind of clashes sometimes. Well, I mean, like every team, you had a limited lead up and you had a minimal training camp experience. So, you know, there was a lot, there was just flat out, there was a lot of overreaction you know, when it didn't look amazing right off the bat, which, 
you know, it happens every season. It, it's going it, to, you know, overreactions are going to happen, but they, they kind of had two different uh, realities that they were kind of juggling. They had these three awesome pick and roll ball handlers in Skylar Diggins Smith, Diana Taurasi, and Bria Hartley. And a head coach, by the way, in Sandy Brondello, who, you know, I don't think I'm painting Sandy with too broad a brush to say, like, that's really, you know, the kind of basketball that she really seems to like to coach and does it well. But then you have Griner, who, when she is playing pick and roll, obviously she's a devastating target rolling to the basket <laughs> right at 6'8". And, you know, almost basically impossible to cover everything up if Phoenix also has enough shooting on the court. But you also have the post game, which is a big part of Griner's game. And she's been, you know, she's become wonderfully efficient and effective with that too. So trying to balance both of those things, you really saw that they were trying to kind of feel that out because with those three guards, you want them to play fast, just get into a ball screen right away, attack. If you don't get anything, just set another one and just keep and just go again. Whereas Griner, it's like, okay, is, are we running pick and roll this time? Or is she running straight down to the block? Like, what are we doing? And, and just, I, I think they had to be, so when Griner's trying to post up, naturally they're just a little bit more, uh, it's just not as fast and free flowing when you're trying to guard that. Like there was that, there was that big, I think it was a Sunday afternoon ESPN or ABC game when, against Dallas. I think Dallas won that game. And one kind of thing from that, you know, Rike Gumbwale had a huge performance, which is a big part of it. But the the really interesting thing, uh, part of that was Dallas was single covering Griner in the post. So the, Dallas just made the decision, hey, Griner, if you want to score 40, like go ahead in the post. But we're much more worried about everything else. And especially the three-point shooting and the, the pull-up shooting from, from those guards. So you know, trying to figure that out, like it's, uh, you know, it can be a pretty tough ask from a player like Griner, right? Because if they just want to play exactly like they did the second half of the season, you know, Kia Vaughn was, uh, was a star in her role, in my opinion, but oh, yeah. you know, there's not, there's not a ton of variety, right? It's not a sexy billing to do what Kia Vaughn did, right? You just got to run hard all the time, get up and down and just set a million ball screens and be okay with that. And so, you know, I think that's, that's kind of a way to kind of maximize what they have with their guards. But, you know, when Brittany Griner's on the team, like you got to figure out a way to do, to, uh, to, you know, maximize and to play into those abilities at the same time. Break down for me your thoughts of what this team needs in regards to looking in free agency. Because for a team that wasn't ranked so high in the depth chart or sorry in the power rankings uh in the standings going into the playoffs they did make a great playoff push but i i'm i'm weary to say any serious needs now obviously if you ask me what their needs are i think it's role players and defense like i said part big part for me is you know we saw some uh the emergence of turner so like she had a great season also kievan had a great season there's a lot of possibilities for me it's all about you know, wing defense and and finding other defensive assets that they can bring on board here um, because you have the depth of Diana Taurasi shooting. You have the depth of uh, Skylar Diggins-Smith shooting and you have Bria Hartley. So like you have three bona fide scorers. The question more so for me in this team 
is defense. Um, you know, you look at this team who statistically was putting up crazy offensive numbers in their wins, but they still were just, you know, leaking left and right defensively. So I'm curious for you, do you think defense is that big a thing or is it kind of, you know, continue to grow the players that they have uh, and, and no big moves on the horizon? Well, I don't, I don't think they, they can't really make any big moves if their team is just as is, you know, Diggins, Smith, Griner, Hartley are under contract already. And then if Tarasi signs a one year max deal, then, you know, they're, they're structured basically the same as we think LA is going to be. So if you have four big contracts, you don't really have very many options looking for like a, a, trying to go you know trying to go pry away a starter or a really really high end reserve reserve player from some from somewhere else you know they i would think you're going to want to bring back Kievan and you know if I'm if I'm Kievan I'm not going to want to uh just take the minimum especially after having a good season so after a year off you, you would think you know Vaughn has earned Vaughn being a free agent too has earned um you know, a, a, a decent is going to be able to, you know, negotiate a little bit, rightfully so. And then they have Shatori Walker Kimbrough as a restricted free agent. And I wonder if there's a little bit of a sunk cost there. Like they, you know, they traded a draft pick for her and are they just going to, you know, pay her just kind of because. And again, I compared their situation to LA. You can really do this hand in hand, right? Just compare Walker Kimbrough is to Phoenix as Brittany Sykes is to LA restricted free agent wings. And then Kiavon is to Phoenix as Chine Gumake, a backup big is to LA. So if, if Phoenix wants to re-sign those two players, like I don't, they're not going to really have, you know, they're not, I don't think they're going to make any big splashes again, unless someone just wants to come play basically for a minimum salary. But I, I agree with you. Like if you, they need their Alicia Clark, they need a, they need a good perimeter perimeter defender that can just make open shots because when it's just two of Tarasi Hartley and Diggins Smith on the court, like you, you're set with your dribbling and you know, your, your playmaking, your shot creation, like you're set. You just need someone that can stand in the corner and be a threat. And then hopefully someone that can guard some of the best players. So, you know, that, that player isn't just easily attainable. Right, like yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> who's the dream target? Like we already mentioned, Benajelani would be kind of the dream target. I forget what team we were talking about to check that box. I mean, Jocelyn Willoughby had they just drafted her last year, I would have loved that for them. I've said that over and over again. They've got the number six pick this year. Uh, I think that can that might be able to get you somebody that that kind of uh, might be able to check that box. You know, maybe Renaya Davis out of Tennessee is six too low for her, a six two wing player. That would obviously be nice. So you know, Phoenix, it's I think it's just really about that one spot on the perimeter. Can you get a can you get a solid defender that can shoot? And then after that, you know, just just kind of fill out the roster. Again, like LA, just kind of do the best you can. I'm excited to see what you go. I'm happy you you mentioned Alicia Clark there. She's kind of the prototype for that. Um but I'm, you're not getting Alicia Clark that easy. <laughs> Let's talk about the Dallas Wings, unless you want to touch on anything else with the Phoenix Mercury. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to mention some names, like like Jessica Breland, who they traded for, and then 
then that didn't play at all this season. You know, I don't, I don't know how that situation is going to kind of work out. Right. Because, okay, do we have grunt? So, you know, you, you close the season with Tur- Brianna Turner and Kia Vaughn starting together, but then if you put Griner back into that equation and then one of those two is coming off the bench and you probably feel pretty good about your depth already, you, you also still have Alana Smith, hopefully as a stretch four that you can get a little bit more from. So, you know, how does that kind of work out with Breland? What is Breland looking for? I think that's kind of interesting to watch for. Nia Coffey, who they also got in that same trade, kind of as as the kind of missing the first half of the 3 and D, you know, can she be reliable enough as a shooter? I still think I still think that some team should still, you know, care should should want to find out with Coffey. Will that be Phoenix? I don't know. Be worth a shot. Shea Petty hit the hit the incredible game winner. Uh, you know, maybe that's a good candidate for them, kind of as a backup guard and and kind of in that in that off ball role, right? Just you know, snipe away, stay in the corner, make open shots, and defend hard. And then Yvonne Turner, I, I wonder if she she makes a comeback. She unfortunately got hurt before the season last year, so we didn't see her at all in 2020. But that's a that's somebody off the bench that at least uh, at least can definitely play for them as we've seen seen in the past. Yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting one. Also, I should note uh, that Shea Petty is a reserve player, so she can only negotiate with that. So that's that's an advantage for them. It's also funny with Shea Petty considering her age still being under that um that <laughs> that rookie scale, as it were. Let's talk about the Dallas Wings, though. Um, realistically, my opinion, hate me for this. This team is years from a championship window. And this team's focus needs to be about building the youth. There's many questions regarding some of these vets that have larger contracts. Um, but from some quotes from Vicky J, Vicky Johnson on our show, it's clear that they want to add a vet or two to help lead this team. And, you know, for me, I feel like that means trade. Maybe I'm, I'm reading too, too far into the future. So what do I look for? Players with championship or playoff experience. Um, you look at this team, they were eighth in points in the paint and 11th defensive rating in the league this past season. Those are things that need to change. They need to find ways to create points in the paint because they have all these shooters, and that's great. You need to use that element, get second chances, things like that. Talk to me about what you see with the Dallas Wings. So when I heard when I heard that episode of the podcast and that came up, naturally I just, you know, I, I pulled up the my list of free agents I have, just, just went over it and just kind of wondering, like, oh, all right, well, if I'm just looking for a vet, like who do I think a good one would be for the wings? And we just talked about Phoenix. Kia Vaughn was mm-hmm. the one that came to mind, although that's an already uh, might be getting a little crowded in that front court already. So, you know, it's at some point, like they're, they're facing the reality of, they will face the reality of, you know, you only have 12 spots. And I, I think too much can be made sometimes of, of them having picks because like you're trying to build. So yeah, uh, accumulate, you know, as many, as many picks, especially higher up that you can, and you just figure it out later, you know, they'll have plenty of time. Even if we get to the end of February, it looks like they have a lot of players to make trades, et cetera. So I don't know. I mean, my, my outlook for Dallas is just like that they need to be patient. I, I don't know that the, the giant swing kind of a home run kind of deal is just kind of sitting, sitting out there for them, especially just as a pure, Free agent signing. Uh, there's some players who stick out to me besides Kevon. 
Jessica well, put Brealey. It, like, put it this way: like if 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 Neko Gumake wanted to go there, and you can oh, sign yeah. her to a three or four year deal, you would do it, right? But are they winning a title? No, I don't necessarily <laughs> think so. They'd be very competitive, I think, and there'd be a lot to like about it. But it's also like you know that's one play. There's you know a couple players that actually accomplish that for you. So, like. I mean, like with any lottery, like if that happens, great, right? But just other than that, I just don't. Oh, no. I, well, I agree with you because I, I don't think that this team is going into it saying, let's add a vet that would take this team to a championship count. Like I said at the beginning when we talked about this team, I don't think they're a few years away from hitting that window, in my opinion. So you're more so not necessarily looking to hit a home run with someone like Neck or Natasha Howard, even though, excuse me, these are players who would be great for that. But just some other players who kind of, when you talk about, you know, playoff history, championship caliber players who, who have been to that level and know what it takes to get to that level, the the players who kind of pop into my head are Jantel Lavender uh, and Candace Dupree. Now, Candace Dupree, in my opinion, is probably staying with Indiana as far as we know. Would I be utterly shocked to see her move on to somewhere else? No, not at all. Um, and would she be the perfect fit for this team? Probably not, but I still look at her and I go, you know, for whatever reason, you talk about a vet who kind of puts their head down, focuses on working and has that mentality and can be a vocal leader when she needs to. Um, those are two players that stick out to me that wouldn't be asking for a huge salary, uh, wouldn't be asking for, you know, to necessarily be on a championship contention team. Because look where they're coming from. And and are there so many opportunities for them on championship teams? No. And and I kind of, that's why I don't think NECA is necessarily a good fit. Do I think she playing wise would be a good fit for this team? Yeah. But does NECA really want to go to a team um, that, you know, is at this stage of their, of their franchise? I don't think so. What do you think about Jantel? Uh, yeah, I, I no, I, I know you're not saying it in the sense of like a possibility of actually happening or whatever. I'm, I, I'm just trying to, to respond to that idea of like you add NECA, obviously that makes them a playoff team in my opinion and pushes them closer to that window. But I still think they're, they're far away from that window. Yeah. I, 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 I brought in that. I was kind of addressing two different topics there. So yeah, I mean, just adding a vet. Sure. I mean, the, the two names you brought up, I mean, Dupree doesn't fit what their style of play is going to need to be. You know, they, they want to get more aggressive and force some turnovers. They want to run. And then you're going to keep the floor spread and Satu Sabli, one of your two most important players, needs to play the four. So I don't I don't really see where Dupree fits there at all. And then Lavender, just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like, gives you a little bit of shooting in the front court, I guess. But, you know, still hasn't really, like, adjusted to the three-point line very well. So it's just like, I, I, I almost, I still almost like my idea of Vaughn a little bit better just to give them some toughness and to fit a little bit better in, in my opinion with the style, but like to, to, to the point of a vet too, like a little bit of an alarm also went off when I heard that. Cause it's like, well, shouldn't you already have that? Like, can't it, it like, can't Izzy Harrison just be your leader or, you know, Mariah Jefferson who got a big contract and especially considering the position she plays, I would hope she would be giving that to mm-hmm. your team. I don't know, like you're, when you're saying a vet, like that's, you know, my concern for Dallas is like if they're going to load up and basically get to a point where like almost half of their roster is vets who like clearly aren't 
you know, don't have a ton more room to grow or upside that you're trying to explore, or they might not even necessarily be long-term starters for you. And if you do that, well then just like, just why, why are you doing that? Like you have the number two pick, the number five pick, the number seven pick, and you've got to make room at least for two and five. I don't think people would disagree on that. Like you can get, you're going to get players you want, you're going to get two players right there that you want to roster. And you know, if, if you bring back Alicia Gray, your only free agent, you're going to have 14 players. That's a tough spot to be in. So it just, if you're, it, uh, again, like if you're introducing another player into that mix, it just, I don't know, like you, you can only allot so many roster spots for, you know, yeah, like it's, it's important to have a vet leader, but you know, you just signed a few players last season, last off season to multi-year deals. You have some of these young players. Cause also it's like, you know, they might have, they also have to make some decisions on, you know, is, you know, this isn't very much of a free agent episode. Cause I just don't, you know, I, I don't know how many of these other than an obvious all-star when you need talent, like we touched on it. Well, you're probably going to try to sign that player if you get a chance. I don't think there's a ton to talk about. So it's more about the roster and just, you know, is Ty Harris going to enter the season as the starter? And then what are you doing with Marina Mabry? You know, is Mabry going to continue to start or is she off the bench, kind of a combo guard role? Okay. And then your backcourt would kind of already be set. And then Alicia Gray, if you bring her back, is she going to continue to start? So then what does that mean for Kayla Thornton and Katie Lou Samuelson? Are you ready to maybe move on from one or both of those players? Do you kind of want to get another look? Because if Gray and then Sobley are starting, there's only so minutes, so many minutes to go around behind them for you to even get a look at those players. And is Bella, you know, Bella Allery, same question as Ty Harris. Is she entering the season as the starter? If not, you know, who are you planning on giving those minutes to at the five? So just, you know, they, they have, for Dallas, it's it's more, maybe more than any other team in the league. They have to, they have to answer some of these questions about their own roster to inform what they want to do in these next couple of months. I mean, for the Wings, it's all about you know getting. They have vets who possibly, in many people's opinion, haven't gotten enough minutes to truly understand what they can do with uh over, like overly starter minutes. And then you also have these young players where it's like, look, at the end of the day, there's only you, you can make assumptions about what the ceiling for this player is and whatever, but like you need to see them play against the best in the league to truly understand what they can do in this league um, and give them opportunities. Because without opportunities, it's just a giant game of what if. Any final thoughts on any of these teams uh, before we sign off for the day? And then before you give or after you give your thoughts on that, remind the folks where they can find your podcast. Yeah, I mean, on, on Dallas is... Uh is uh, a stew do going to get traded to Atlanta? I just, I just wonder if that, if that is uh, kind of just a long time coming because a stew signed the offer sheet last off season with Atlanta, Chicago matched it and then traded her to Dallas. And you have to wait, you have to wait. You can't be traded to a team you signed an offer sheet with until a year later. So, you know, it, it would just kind of be funny if that like happened right away. The first move in a roundabout, 
in and yeah, and then in a roundabout way, you know, a, a stew possibly could end up, you know, kind of where she where she originally signed that offer sheet after you know not really playing. That was kind of a mystery that uh, during the regular season. That's that's uh, that's one thing I'll definitely be definitely be looking for. I mean, if we were right at all about Dallas, right? I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to be making a ton of moves it, it, at the start of free agency. Really, just you know, maybe closing just on Alicia Gray. You know, I don't, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on you know, if you're Dallas, do you do you let her go look for an offer sheet somewhere else? Do you just do you just offer? You know, do you just sit down and find out what she wants and offer it right away? Do you know? Do you want to write her in as the starter for these next couple of years, next to Arike, or are you open to exploring some other options? If, if I'm Dallas, I'm signing her. I'm 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 telling her, you know, sitting down with her, finding out what she needs, what she wants, and oh, excuse me, sorry, almost had a sneeze. Um, yeah, no, I I think she's that type of player. Like, look. She's a fan favorite. Obviously, that's only a certain aspect of what goes into these decisions. But I do think you've seen enough from her. Obviously, rookie of the year, maybe had a little bit of a sophomore slump, has definitely been growing back since then. I think she's the type of player you can't let walk. You you just can't. Um, And maybe can't is too strong of a word. But in my opinion, you've seen a lot of players leave Dallas of recently, players who left stuff on the court, as it were. Um, And I think she's the type of team player that you need to find out. What does she want? She's definitely a positive player for this roster. And, you know, when you look at this roster, why wouldn't you? If you you have the ability to bring her back monetarily, um, you have the ability to bring her back and give her likely a role that she wants. So for me, it's pretty simple to say, yeah, you do what you can. If, if, you know, if she's made up her mind that she doesn't want to be there, then that's a different discussion. Um, but I think you need to try and make her happy and keep some players around. I mean, we'll keep her around. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, they have no incentive to let her walk. And I, I think if, if Gray expects and is commanding a max offer, a max contract, I think that can get pretty interesting, <laughs> you know, just to, to at least talk it out if you're Dallas, because, you know, like Gray would be your third option offensively. Not that that, isn't valuable, but I think, I think it, if it, if that's the cost, I think it gets to a point where you at least have a conversation and I'm, I'm also inclined to maybe see that because that's kind of what I did in the, in a mock free agency with her hoop stats acting as Dallas, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of see if it gets to that. And as, but yeah, as, as a restricted free agent, if she's happy there, if they see her as a starter, then it, it, it's it's ultimately uh, probably much ado about nothing. Well, I would even say, like, even if they don't see her as a starter, they could see her in the Las Vegas Aces style of, you could be a starter, you very well have the talent to be a starter, but we think you could be more powerful for our, our end goal by coming off the bench and just demolishing, uh, you know, the, the bench players on other teams and going up against starters when it happens. So I think there's many elements to it. Um, well, I feel like we've exhausted this. Let the folks know where they can find your podcast. Uh, yeah, the Floor Game Podcast. It's on uh, the Windsider Podcast Network. You may have heard of that website. I'm not yeah. sure if you have already. Uh, yeah, I've been a little been a little dormant this month, but we're coming back. Uh, we're recording this on the 28th, but New Year's Eve is a pretty big, pretty big day of college games. So I'm probably going to recap a few of those, and then also over the weekend and just just a little more frequently 
especially as as conference play starts in college and then I still gotta I still gotta finish my uh my offseason preview podcast on all the WNBA teams so so keep an eye out for those definitely do it it's always fun talking basketball with you Ben and uh excited to read some more of your work for this free agency period and in the coming season have a good one